0: Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast.
1: So appreciate you guys all showing up today. Um, we So we had a discussion thread in Gain, Grow, Retain uh, around technology, specifically customer success, technology, uh, kind of tech touch strategy. What are you doing? What are the systems that you're implementing? Um, how did you go about this? Kind of just the kind of everything that you could uncover. So um, Carlos, who uh, we've gotten to know a little bit over the last little while was in that discussion thread and he had offered to hop on a video. Um, I know Walter in here um, had mentioned it as well. I think we've got a few other folks that I just know for sure have implemented um, CS tools. So we're gonna try and do maybe like a peer to peer slash like round robin of questions and things that are going on. So this is, we've got like 28 people. So hopefully you guys are all cool with this, but um, don't wanna make it too, Formal, I would really like just to make this as interactive as possible, get questions going uh, wherever needed. So I've got a couple of starting questions and some seed questions I'm going to just start to throw out um, to get some discussion going, but really would love to see in the chat windows. um, Or if you guys want to raise your hand, if you click the participant window, raise your hand. If you have questions that you want to ask directly, um, I'm probably going to call in like a trio of different people. uh, Potentially, so I've got Carlos uh, you've got Walter in here who I know has got some, um, some good discussions. Christy has done this, uh, many times as well. So, uh, I know Sheik has been involved in some of these things. So there's probably a couple of, of people that I might call on to answer some of these questions just to get us rolling. But, uh, again, would really like this to be as collaborative as possible. Um, uh, again, there's only 29 of us, so we can come off mute. We can have a, a good dialogue, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, so stuffy and whatnot, but, um, what I'm going to do, if you guys uh, are okay with that, I'm going to uh maybe ask Carlos to j- just give a quick introduction of himself real quick. Let's say like 30 seconds or less. Kind of Carlos, if you don't mind, maybe given um, you know, your name, position, uh kind of maybe some of the tech tools that you use today, and then what your first concert was. And then I'm gonna ask Walter and Christy to do the same thing as well.
2: Hey uh hello everybody Carlos Casada. I'm the uh, head of customer success for Ruber Networks, part of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh I am currently transitioning off of Strike Deck. I'm away at the Tango uh, managing a book of about 4,400 customers with three CSMs and crushing the uh, improvement of NPS and also uh, uh, net retention. Uh, first concert. Uh, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> That's always one I like. To, I like to throw out there. Well, we'll, we'll let you. Th- we'll let you think on that for a minute. Um, Walter, do you mind just coming off mute for a minute, maybe Walter, and just give some people uh, a little same perspective, kind of name, title. Uh, what your kind of cs tool looks like right now and then uh just your first concert
3: yeah well um walter zepeda i'm the director of customer success for actimal america um we use a, a lot of software of course uh like intercom monday you know it's like we use our own software Actimo, as an employee app um salesforce of course and uh now we're looking to get move into tech touch so i did this uh kind of analysis where I compared, you know, time that we spent with clients for versus ARR and something very crazy just came up. And that's why we're kind of going into this. Uh, and my first concert, my mer- first memorable concert, I guess was Metallica.
1: Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Thank you, Walter. And then Christy, I'm probably going to call on you a lot today. So do you mind uh, giving just a quick intro the same way?
4: Yes, uh, so Chrissy Falteruso, I'm the Vice President of Customer Success at IntelliShift. My tech stack for, for CS is kind of run as a gamut, but my main power tool is probably Gainsight. Um, so for those of you who have heard me talk about this before, I've used it four times, um, really operationalizing everything that I do with customer success. Um, but I will happily talk about a bunch of other tools that I think are probably not as well known, but extremely powerful. My first concert, um, kind of coming off the Metallica was poison. So it was uh poison was my first one, which I couldn't remember if it was poison or Cinderella, but it was poison.
1: <laughs> I love it. You start to learn a lot once you start, you know, just getting a first concert in there. We used to use that a lot in our, uh, in some of our discussion or some of our sessions that we led when we were consulting, um, Perfect. Well, let's get things maybe just started. I'm gonna, I, like I said, I've got a couple of seed questions. If you have questions that you want to ask, just throw them in the chat or just raise your hand. And then as we go through the discussion, I'll just try and get as many people involved. Uh, we'll take this in whatever direction you guys want. This is really just again, peer to peer. We've only got about 35 people. So I think we're going to keep this as intimate as possible, but um, maybe Carlos, let's just start off with you and, and maybe get the ball rolling and then we can kind of uh, get some other questions in here. But, um, from your standpoint, Carlos, what was the main kind of business driver impetus for you to to really look at, you know, the technology you were using in your segments, how you were thinking about uh, kind of your tech touch strategy that, you know, the words that everyone keeps adopting these days, so, like what was really the main business driver there? Um, and how'd you like, was that part of the executive executive team process? Like, how'd you convince them, you know, like, just give us a little anecdote there, I think, just to
2: start and then we'll, uh, we'll start kicking it around. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. It's just a little bit of background. So when we first kicked off this concept of customer success, we didn't have any organizational debt. We weren't walking into this with an existing team in place. Um, so we actually created this from scratch. And so um, one of the first things we did is uh, is uh, we started taking a look at the install base data. And the install base data is really what helped us determine that we needed to have a significant play on the on the tech touch. So we took took a look at the install base data. Um, over half of our uh, install base fell into uh, the revenue of the product that we're, we were uh, supporting, half of that revenue came from a, from, a, from a segment that would require a tech touch. So um, that told me that we couldn't just ignore kind of the smaller customers because at scale there was significant amount of revenue there. And uh, because we were just getting started, we obviously couldn't just start hiring, you know, 20 CSMs to go after that. So that actually is what really pu- uh, pushed us and forced us to start with the tech touch first actually.
1: Awesome. Um, yeah, it's interesting too. Maybe it's it, in getting into this a little bit, but I think the, like you said, there kind of, there was no debt that you were walking into, right? Since you guys were starting this from scratch, it's really interesting. You started with the technology first and then hired CSMs after you actually had the technology uh, and that strategy mainly built out, uh, which I think is really interesting. Um Effie, I, I see your hand raised. I don't know if you have a question or if you want to chime in as well, but once you got to come off mute, what do you, what's going on today? Yeah, Effie? I'm off
5: of mute. <laughs> My first concert is Duran Duran. Also, it totally ages everybody if they tell, if you say who your first concert was. So, I hope everyone right. even knows who they are. Um, <laughs> But um, so I'm in a really interesting transition period. Um, also, thanks to Christy. I don't know if you remember we had a conversation way back when, but um, i'm I'm currently transitioning from client success to gainsight, which in and of itself is um, changing platforms could be very challenging on many aspects because we're also going to be making other which makes other platforms that we have a little bit redundant it's going to be pro- probably like Monday and and some of our survey uh, platforms um, I am really c- curious to hear from others um, in in the past I've um, I've used platforms from, from zero or like from Excel, like Tango, and I've sort of come into to Salesforce, but I've never moved and migrated from one platform to another, um, which, presents, which presents challenges. For example, um, when I'm trying to navigate health scores, um, I have all these new opportunities now in Gainsight that it, I, I didn't have in, in, in my current uh, platform. So how do you basically navigate that and, uh, communicate that with your team that now forget about what we've been, um, monitoring and forget, forget about the metrics before. Now we're going to start from scratch and how you decide, how do you decide how to do that?
1: Awesome. That is perfect. Christy, let's kick it to you first, um, and see just some of your thoughts. And then Carlos, I know you're going through this transition right now of moving tools. So I think you probably have something to add there too. but Christy, what do you, What are some of your thoughts there?
4: Yeah, so Evie, first, of course, I remember our conversation and glad to hear that you guys are embarking on this journey. Well, I'm happy to see you moving over, but I I don't envy your position because it's not easy. Um, Yeah, so I would say the big thing there is all going to be about how you're communicating this internally, right? So it's going to be, you're obviously making a shift in metrics and and the things that you're looking at. It's going to give you more ability to be, I think, more flexible and then also to bring in parameters into your health score you didn't have before. So I think the first thing is to educate the team on like why that's important and why those are the points that you're looking at. Um, and why that's going to transform the health score. I would also maybe create a baseline of the health score that you have in the system today just so that they can see the difference because it could be that a lot of their customers that are green today are gonna to be red tomorrow. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're just looking at different health parameters and saying that like actually these customers, there's a lot of opportunity here. And so they're red because we could be doing more to help them and, and it's probably more indicative of the reality less than kind of where they were today. So. Baseline it, show what you had before Compare to where it's going to be, make sure that they're clear on like what new parameters you're including and why. Anything that you're removing, help them understand why. And then just kind of educate right. them on how to use that moving forward. And I would say that baseline is equally important for your executives and anybody else who's looking at that data point. Because if you're going to go from a lot of green or a lot of green and yellow to a lot of red, perhaps, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to level set and make sure that everyone understands.
5: That's actually uh, one of my, my hopes is that, ironically, that, that we do see more of those reds coming up because I, I do feel like the metrics that we were um, looking at were completely inaccurate. So my hope is is that I, we, would, we are going to see some of the reds coming up. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, our, our, health score, it.
4: our health score is created basically with the idea in mind of like green is what the absolute perfect customer looks like. So it's not supposed to be used as a churn or risk indicator the way that I use my health score. Green is like the ideal customer, right? They're doing everything they should. They're engaging the right way. They're using the product the right way. And the reality of it is that's probably a very small portion of your customer base. So I had to spend a lot of time educating to say red is not bad red indicates that there's a lot of upside and opportunity for our team to be engaging these customers in a different way and get our customers to use our product and engage us and see us differently. So I think as long as again, you level set and you've got the right parameters in there, uh, red is not bad. You just got to have a plan in place to make sure that you've got You've got to route them to green somehow. <laughs>
5: and how often, how often do does your team set the, either the pulse or the scores? I, I'm assuming some of them are, or some of it's autom- automated um, in our case, we don't have a lot of automation because we're a security, mm-hmm. we're a security product. But how often does the the health score get updated?
4: So it's basically when it needs to. Um, anything that's stale. So we say like anything that's older than sixty days, we actually kind of null it out on ours. So that just it, we feel like that's too long of a time pass and sentiment changes too regularly. So if the CSMs are giving their input, um, it expires in sixty days, and they are updating it whenever it changes. Right. So if they have its status quo, right? Like nothing's changed. They're speaking to their customers regularly and they still feel like it's yellow or it's green or it's red. They don't need to update it. Um, they might want to add a note, but if that changes, then they'll go and update it. But any of our customers that our team is engaging with on a regular basis, which is our three top core segments, will likely have that pulse check, um, updated within 60 days anyway. Okay. Great. That's helpful.
5: Um,
1: Carlos, what about you? I know you're going through a transition right now. You're, you're kind of moving platforms. Is there anything that you uh, sticks out to you for Effie to, to consider as she's moving platforms, um, things that she needs to kind of think about, any roadblocks she might incur?
2: So we actually lean quite a bit on, we, we kind of built out the predefined journey map. And so in the journey map, we specify, you know, based on the telemetry data that we do have access to, we specify the weightage of how we leverage that telemetry. That really uh, collects things like adoption and usage metrics, and so we leverage that, as well as how many support tickets and things like that the customer um, is is uh, has open. We also use a tool called Support Logic, a really awesome tool on the tax side. It's a machine learning um, NLP tool where it actually tells us customer sentiment. So as the customer's engaging with their support organization, it actually picks up sarcasm and also stuff. It tells you if um, if the overall message is positive, negative, or neutral. So all that gets put into the tool. Um, and then we waited on our on our end and basically say, look, um, there's a couple of dimensions. One is what phase is the customer in? Two, how much time has a customer been in this phase? And three, of the tasks we expect the customer to complete from an adoption perspective, how many of those are complete as we're getting to like the 30 day mark? And so all that um, is automatically calculated and that's kind of what gives us the the overall um, automated health score. And to Christy's comment, right? So as a CSM gets engaged, that CSM pulse has a higher weight over some of those other attributes. And so all that stuff gets aggregated. To your point about transition, one of the things that we do is we actually self-inflict ourselves to a monthly business review. I kind of call it the CS Open Mic at the company. And every month, um, essentially, we present to the entire leadership team. Um, you know, what are the current? You know, what did CS do over the last 30 days? What are the overall CS metrics? And what are the things for? What are the goals for the next 30 days? And so some of these items. So, for example, if we expect to be um, uh, to be measuring something differently. Um, we bring that up at the MBR, so no one's surprised, and people have an opportunity to get a line behind all that. And so at the end, whether all the exec leaders join or not, I always send out the end-of-meeting summary with the two highlighted slides of all the KPIs and attach the deck. And at the back of the deck, we have the definition and methodology for how we calculate all this stuff. So that way, if there is going to be a change, we can call that out, and it's embedded in there. Um, usually what ends up happening is there's a couple of key stakeholders within either product management or engineering who are usually really close to us with regards to the metrics so usually we would have worked with them ahead of time so if there was going to be a change to any of that we would have uh, kind of aligned and agreed on that before but i've actually found it just for everybody on the call i've actually found that those monthly uh, business reviews although they're kind of tedious um to do uh, um, they're actually very helpful in not only that keeping that pulse on how your organization is doing but it also gives you a platform to really vocalize to the rest of the organization like the work and the good work that the cs teams is doing so um, like I said, we we we've started that very early in our in our kind of design phase of the program, and and we've actually recently sent a message saying, hey, look, we're actually thinking about canceling this because you know we're we're also involved in other meetings where updates are being given, and a lot of the feedback we got was like, no, please don't cancel it, like we still want to attend this, and please keep sending out these reports because folks are leveraging that. So that's something that I kind of coach people on as well is the importance of those MBRs because it helps. You know, give you the platform to also say, "Hey, look, we're we're struggling because product management isn't giving us what we need." It gives you that platform to call out stakeholders that may not also be actively participating as much as they should be. But, like I said, for the most part, um, MBRs have been very, very valuable for us.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great, great point. We we now at Higher Logic are doing uh, town halls, and they're done by um, segment of the business, and so you have the opportunity. Like I can go listen to the sales town hall. I can go listen to the customer success town hall. So you can actually go kind of engage. And I agree with you, Carlos. It's really good for uh, some of that. Uh, Walter, do you mind coming off mute? I know it sounds like you're in a a little different scenario right now, but I'm curious uh, from your standpoint, Walter, as you're thinking about, you know, implementing a a CS tool and some of the things that you have going on, like what are some of the discussions internally? Like how do you know it's time to kind of upgrade your tech stack or kind of get a solution in there? Uh, I know you're going through that evaluation phase. How did you kind of get there? and what was some of that discussion like maybe with your executive team or with your budget holders, the finance leaders inside the organization?
3: Yeah, so um, our headquarters are in Denmark and I'm based in Guatemala City. So we oversee everything uh, from Mexico and South uh, in terms of clients. So we have different customer success teams. One is in Denmark, uh, the other one is here, which I lead. And we we use a lot of the uh, tech tools that we have are shared. But we've seen that customer success is really different in uh, Europe and the U.S. versus Latin America. So we're kind of beginning to, to see that we do need a, a different platform right now. There is no platform I mean, other than Salesforce and some spreadsheets and something on Monday. And, you know, like uh, I'm sure a bunch of people here have uh, stuff, you know, like spread out on different tools. Um, we are beginning to see that you know, when we look at our long tail and we see the time that we're spending, even if you do like a quick analysis on a tool like Clockify or something where we have our CSMs, which are, they're logging in their time uh, to see how much they're spending on our different clients. And we see that there's a very different uh, scenario that, you know, than the one we, we would like, where we see the most time being spent on our, uh, you know, high, uh, your customers who are paying the, the highest, right? Uh, so that's what kind of triggered the whole conversation and that's how I got the buy-in from, uh, from our executive sponsors to, to go into looking, uh, for a tool. So we're a little advanced in in that process and looking for a tool, but now we're st- starting just to get all the information for the different tools that we have, uh, putting it in one place and then just getting ready to make the transition. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: protective. Yeah, that's helpful. And it's, um, I think it's we we've started to see we've got uh, you know customers in uh, I think a couple different continents now um, and at Higher Logic and so we're starting to see and understand those differences as well that uh, you know there's just a different uh, different cadence different rhythm different way that you engage um, you know given some of the cultural differences potentially and the business differences between countries um, so it's interesting. Um, one other question I want to throw out there, or actually I think it was uh, maybe Marcus had thrown out there um was uh, Effie what and it sounded like you were moving from client success to gainsight um so Marcus had just thrown in there, and I'm curious just for the, the larger group, you know what was the what was the impetus there like what was some of the the back reasonings for you to kind of move from from that tool to uh, to gainsight Uh
5: great question um it was it was a few reasons um so I just felt that there was a, a very large gap in client success that was missing in terms of um, really automating um, different cycles within the, the customer journey. So for example, I wanted to do things uh, like, um, when there's a closed one, have an automated uh, email go out to the customer, or at the end of onboarding, have, have an email go out to the customer, and they didn't have that, that capability. In addition, um, again, I've I've mentioned in many, many GGR calls um, in the past that um, I work for a cybersecurity company where we don't have telemetry very easily accessible. So um, I don't have any other sources to basically automatic sources to understand what the customer health is and the customer score. And I didn't feel that client success was robust enough. Um, just in general, I felt that it was sort of like a, a glorified note-taking Excel tool and it just didn't have what was good for my team at this point of of, of our maturity in the company.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. Um, and I think, you know, there's a couple more that we'll ask about. Like I'll probably ask Carlos to maybe talk about his transition between Deck and Tatango as well. But uh, one other part that I think is really interesting um, question that Rosalind threw in here was, how do you prioritize what parts of your process had to be transitioned to a tool? So you know, how are you determining what can be automated and driven from technology versus what still needs to be human-led um, and human-driven, I think is the crux of that question that Rosalind's asking. So, uh, Christy, do you mind maybe coming off mute and sharing a little bit about how you try and determine uh, you know, what can be automated for the customer versus what can't be, uh, like where the tool really was going to come in and how you prioritize those things?
4: Yeah, so we we did a lot of kind of our entire journey mapping to start. So before we thought about anything, it was all about like what were all the key milestones in the customer journey and then broke it down by segment. So not all of our segments will have the same touch points throughout the journey, but we know that there's some key milestones. So based on that, we built out a RACI, um, a pretty comprehensive one. I will tell you, it's our RACI has over 300 steps in it right now. It's like, it's very comprehensive from like day zero through advocacy and touches on everything that might impact the customer in between. And the reason we did that is because we needed to visualize and truly understand all the points that impact experience and all those milestones. So what we did from there is we took the RACI model and that was actually the catalyst to figure out what were the different points that we could layer in some automation because it was so detailed and there was so much specificity built in. It was easy to understand, okay, could this touch point be automated? And then if so, we spoke with the different teams to figure out what tool was the best one to power that automation. Now, not everything we do is through Gainsight. Um, We are using different tools, right? It could be like, what can we do through Zendesk? It could be through what can we do in-app? And so it was really working with all of our cross-functional heads to figure out not only what do we want and do we feel is okay to automate, it was also, okay, what is the best tool to do that? And so th- this was a kind of all company hands-on effort and we are so far from completed by any means. And a lot of this automation is still not even been deployed. It's just, you know, right now we've just been mapping it all out because we wanted to do a lot of research before we decided to just kind of pull the plug and, you know, automation could go a lot of ways and we definitely wanted to avoid it going the wrong way.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I like that you threw in there uh, that we're thinking about. So uh, there's uh, Jennifer and Courtney who are on our higher logic team who are on the call here today. And so we're, we're being charged right now with going to try and figure out what that looks like. And one thing you mentioned, right. Is that sometimes we often pigeonhole ourselves into tools instead of thinking about the, the total customer experience and the, of you know, the total available tool set. So for instance, like sometimes we get, you know, stuck in the way of like, well, like I have gain so I need to automate through gain site, but then it's like, taking a step back, you know, you've got in-app messaging, maybe through Pendo or through the Gainsight PX tool. Um, You know, you've got, uh, you have other marketing automation tools that you might get involved. You've got Salesforce, Zendesk, Uh, like there's a plethora that that start to round this out. And so it really needs to be be thought of as a program. Uh, Obviously we sell community software. So community is becoming a big part of our strategy down um, in that segment of the business as well, right? Like there's other ways to engage um, that become part of a program that isn't just necessarily one tool. Uh, And so I think that is sometimes... Uh, lost in the shuffle. And I like that you mentioned and called that out.
4: Yeah, I think that like one of the best exercises any of us could go through is actually even before we start thinking about deploying a CS platform. And I I know I'm looking at the chat and there's other folks like, how do you convince leadership to do that? Why don't you guys get a full audit of every tool your company has? I will tell you, even IT probably does not have that um, because there are so many point solutions being deployed at independent department levels, but try to get a comprehensive list. What we did is we had a list of every tool um, the core use cases, some of the key functionality, and then it allowed me to see what we had at our disposal. And I've done that exercise at a couple companies now. And I will tell you, it is far more valuable to go that route first before you start to ask for that goodwill and huge investment from your CFO. Because I will tell you, redundancy is not fun and nobody wants to pay for that. Um, and then also, because you're using another department's tool, you might get better alignment. You start to work more collaboratively on projects and get their buy-in, buy-in on experience and other stuff. So I think there's a lot of benefits and upside to that outside of just, you know, obviously saving your company a little bit money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, such a good point about the cross collaboration that, that is needed to, um, you start to see Sarah, I noticed, um, that you had just put in there that you're doing this right now. Is there anything that you want to add about like how you're kind of tactically doing this? Uh, anything that you can share that's like, you know, just top of mind.
6: Yeah. Oh my gosh. What you just said, Christy, just resonated with me because you know i we i inherited an implementation of um of a cs platform of gainsight and it's been really difficult for us to reconfigure and manipulate and so i have unfortunately a cs ops person who supports me who has been like kind of chirping in my ear like hey we need to like rip and replace hey we like this isn't built for what you want to do and it's not going to get you to your ultimate vision. And I said, okay, let me just realistically create a matrix. And so I created a matrix about (laughs) 300 lines long um, on, okay, what does Gainsight do today? Um, With all the other tools, collaboration tools that we have, we have Workfront, we have Zendesk, we have, um, we use Jira, we, you know, there's all sorts of things, Salesforce.com, right? All of these Um, systems of record, if you will. And, and then I'm starting to go through and go, okay, well, I'm going to talk to Catalyst. I'm going to talk to turn zero. I'm going to talk to client success. I'm going to talk to Totango and just kind of see, but the last part of that matrix is, well, what if I just get rid of Gainsight and use the tools that I have today? What does that look like? Right? Because we don't have an exhaustive client list. We probably have, you know, about 300 globally. And so I'm like, do I really need that today? And if I don't, what could I repurpose that money for, right? Like what else could I use that money for? What other, is there another technology that could also help us do that? I think, you know, that exercise in and of itself brought me back to the point of realizing I do need a CS platform to help keep my team proactive and and really achieve the vision. And so, What Christy's saying about doing this audit has just kind of brought me full circle in knowing that, yes, I do need something, Um, but being able to show that matrix um, to not only my manager, who's the CRO of our company, but also show, hey, we've done our due diligence. We're thinking about this from both angles has been, is something tangible that I've been able to take to leadership. And they're like, okay, we'll just do it, like get what you need type of thing. So. Been helpful
1: once, once you uh, start to show your work a little bit. They tend executive teams tend to just say, "All right, I've already seen enough." Right, like it's like they've seen like one <laughs> one tenth of like what you went and did. And they're like, "All right, go make a decision. Like, just go with it." So exactly, uh, I know yeah. the, the speed. Um, Carlos, you kind of come from a uh, interesting yeah. position because you actually started with the technology first, and then you kind of added some CSMS um, as you've gone. So how did like you know how did that part come for you? Uh, focusing on the technology first, like, do you feel like you have greenfield? Like, are you did you go through and do the similar racy matrix exercises that Christy's talking about uh like how did you start to maybe figure out what what can be technology driven versus what can be human driven and and figure out how to add human headcount on top since it's kind of the opposite for you You're on mute Carlos
2: Sorry Zoom fell okay. Um just to add on what Sarah had mentioned right so um and and um uh I believe uh who else brought this up here, uh, Christy. Um, what Christy refers to as kind of the racy and, and what Sarah talked about the audit. We did a little bit of both. So very, very early on, my first hire was really my CS Ops manager. So we really spent um, you know the first three months understanding the data. What are, what, what's the install base look like? Um, what are the different data sources that are available to us? You know, things of that nature. Um, and then from there, we we actually went and started placing an order for equipment and went through and, and, and understood what is that the customers go through when they purchase and what are the different notifications and what is it, how are they walked through this whole experience? And then from that, we really started understanding what are the different friction points and what are the areas where we can go in and kind of proactively engage customers with digital uh, messages to help them avoid some of those friction points. Um, and so for us, uh, you really, you know, whether you call it the Racy or the journey map, when you take a look at, you know, what that looks like completed, it's basically by each phase of the customer engagement model, um, you know, what are the different tasks that you're looking to complete? What are the different things that the customer needs to accomplish? And are those things that can be done digitally or we require like a human element as part of that, right? And so again, going back to um, to my earlier comment, because we were kind of very, very greenfield Um, uh, you know, or actually, we were very um, grassroots at that point. When we took a look at the journey map, one of the things that you'll find is it's when you get started, there's just so much, so much in front of you that you don't know where to get started. So we kind of created this agile methodology um, where we basically said, look, we're going to create this concept of an MVP. We're not going to solve everything at once, but let's tackle one piece at a time. And so what we did is we drew a line in the sand and said, you know, we're going to just going to start improving for net new customers. So, every net new customer as of January 2019 is going to get this digital welcome letter. We're going to start tracking them. We're going to put them into, te- into and at, at that point, it was Strike Deck. And we're just going to start engaging with them, right? And so, as existing customers renew, then they will fall into that cycle and we'll create kind of this onboarding or uh, we call it an on ramp program to take existing customers to drop into the digital flow, right? And so we've been doing that since January, 2019. Um, we now have, uh, I think last last MBR, over 5,000 customers that we've actually taken through that entire journey. Um, and so for us, um, that was kind of our first play is let's digitize everything. And then we created some pilots. So we said, let's take a look at our segmentation model. Let's test the segmentation model, find customers that would actually fit or qualify in the upper tier of that pyramid, right? Level two, level four, uh, le- oh, you know, tier one, tier two, which is mid-touch or high-touch, let's go in and throw a CSM at that person and build out what does a CSP look like, right? What does that kind of month in review look like? What does a QBR look like? What are the different things that, that a CSM would eventually have to perform in this higher engagement model? And so we've actually created a pilot. We ran that pilot and collected that feedback. And now what's actually happened is that higher-touch model is now being embedded in some of our advanced service uh, offerings. So we still, and we still offer the digital engagement to 100% of the customers. One of the things that we did do is another part of the tech stack is we introduced Calendly to our digital engagement. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Calendly, but every every one of the emails that goes out to the customer, we actually personified our digital engagement. There's this virtual CSM named Steve who actually welcomes you during the onboarding and actually will walk you through. And it, all the digital emails are signed and there's a caricature of Steve and all of our messages. But then at the very bottom of every message is like, Hey, if you want to talk to real CSM, click here we've basically um, created a kind of, if you, any folks have been in support, we create kind of this swarm model of CSMs where you don't have a dedicated CSM, but you always have an option to speak to one. And it gives them enough heads up to research your account, under look at you inside of the tool, figure out what's where, where you're at in the phase. And so when that call happens with the CSM, they're a lot more educated about who the customer is. It's not like a cold call. And it's also at the customer's convenience as opposed to, you know, waiting in line or being on a phone on hold. So... Um, So that's what we've actually, um, where we're at now. So I mentioned this earlier, right? Um, And by the way, um, we submitted an application for the TSA Star Award and we actually ended up, uh, we talked about our digital strategy and how we built this and all that. And so we actually uh, ended up as a finalist. So the application that we submitted with all this information is available on the TSA website if anybody wants to check it out. Informatica who won first place actually did a very, very similar um uh application to ours the one thing that i think that they got one up on us is they're actually doing the end product piece where they're actually engaging with customers inside of the product um which is something that is in our roadmap so jeff you also talked about like pendo so that's one of the things we've implemented pendo in the product and now one of the things that we're working on is leveraging pendo to be able to connect to the customer while they're in, this, in the in the application the tool
1: awesome there's a couple of things that i loved uh, that i wrote down which is uh, go be a customer yourself. Uh, so I actually did that when I joined Higher Logic. Like I actually went through the process of becoming a customer. So, uh, and I also used a previous solution that was a competitor. So I had seen what our competitive set was. I saw what we did. And so pretty quickly we could identify some quick gaps. And so I think that's a huge one is like, just go sign up today, start, start an account, whatever you need to. Uh, but I think that gives you such a good glimpse. Uh, the segment cohort and test idea. Uh, I think a lot of times it's it's really easy for you to get into a trap of, hey, I'm gonna have to roll this out to 5,000 customers. And yes, at the end of the day, that's gonna, you know, something might have to happen, but can you test on 100, test on 200, test on 50, whatever the number is, um, and get some early data that that tells you, hey, we're moving in the right direction, hey, we can expand on this. Um, And then the third part I love that you mentioned, Carlos, was a hand-raiser type moment. So, you know, uh, we're not necessarily shutting the customer off from uh, talking, you know, to us um, and being engaged with us, but we're just trying to give them the right moment so they can raise their hand and say, yep, I do need um, somebody to, to, to help with this uh, in particular. So, um, and I'm going to take that TSA link and also go add that to our thread um, that we have in Ganga Retain as well so people can go access that if you need to. Um, but Rosalind, I think you had mentioned you had um, a question that you wanted to, to ask the group. So why don't you go ahead and come off mute and um, yeah. hello, good to see you today.
4: Awesome. Thank you guys. Um, So kind of piggybacking on what Carlos was talking about and how not to get overwhelmed with where to start. um, I I feel like I'm approaching two paths and would love guidance on how to approach it. The first is focusing on our lower tier customers. I hate using that phrase because I don't want to imply lower tier is lower quality, um, but essentially like the lower paying customers and operationalizing most of that to be tech touch versus thinking about a thread I read, which is you know, tech touch kind of can happen across tiers. It's about those interactions, those select interactions and operationalizing those. So in trying to figure out how not to boil the ocean at once, would love some guidance on, you know, where, what seems like the best path forward and yeah.
1: Carlos, do you want to take a stab at answering that and then maybe we'll get to- Yeah, so it was
2: like boil the ocean, don't boil the ocean was one of the directives that I actually got from my boss. Cause you know, what we found is we spent two months just spinning. Like, well, there's customers that are coming up for renewal, but then there's new customers coming up. And what about the ones that are existing? And what are we? I mean, we spent so much time ideating on what we could do that we never launched. And so we actually, like I said, going back, we created this concept of an MVP, which is like, look, in the next three months, here are the areas that we're going to go and improve on, right? And so we said in the next three months, we're going to deliver what the digital onboarding program is going to look like, right? And we're only going to focus on net new customers. We know that other people are going to be out. But once we've solved for this, then we can go and figure out the next step. And so for us, it was literally just saying, you know, time, scope, and resources. What are the things that we can do in the next three months? Let's focus on those. And as we started doing the journey map and the whiteboarding and the exercise of a million post-its, right, we said, okay, here's what we're going to deliver in the next three months. All these other great ideas, it's going to go in backlog. For those of you who are familiar with Agile, we actually leverage kind of the Agile methodology. And we said, all right, in the next three months, we're going to do this. We're going to break it up into sprints, and we're going to assign owners and stakeholders and all this good stuff. We created the epics and all that. And so what we've been doing ever since then is adding to that, um, what we call the MVP. Now we're, we're in like version four of that MVP, which is, you know, first we did onboarding, then we did renewals. And the reason we did renewals is because those were the, we kind of started at the bookends. One of the things that we found was uh, the customers that were churning, we did what we call a sorry to see you go campaign and just say, look, sorry that you didn't like the solution. Can you tell us why? And we actually set up phone calls. 20% of the customers that churned said they had no idea they'd even churned.
4: So we knew that we had a
2: proactive renewal notification problem. So we're like, okay, if we can solve that and automate the renewal notifications that can bring back 20% of those customers, that's MVP two, Right? So now we had the onboarding piece and we had the renewal piece. So in the third iteration, it was now let's go focus on the center piece. Let's go figure out what is the telemetry that we have that can help us go in and Understand how customers are using the product, drive adoption, drive kind of feature utilization, that kind of stuff, and so that's kind of how we do it. So after about three runs of the MVP, we had the entire journey map, you know, from beginning to end, built out, and then it's as we're as we're learning, we're iterating. So every you know every three months, there's a whole new version of that journey, right? And it's very important to remember and lean on the agile method of backlog, because as you're as you're working on this, you get a new idea. It's like, oh yeah, we also should do this one of the first things you should come out of my mouth is let's add it to the backlog because otherwise it'll completely distract the folks working on what you need to deliver now on this new shiny thing, right? So that's kind of the way we've done it is really focus on this concept of MVP, understand what is it you're going to deliver in the next two to three months. And all the other great ideas that get birthed as part of that, throw them in the backlog. And one of the things that we recently started adopting is um, things like smart sheets, things like uh, Jira, they're not, very user-friendly and hard to adopt from a CS team perspective. So we've actually started using monday.com recently, and it's actually been very, very helpful. UI is super cool. You can create some pretty cool stuff on there. They even have gamification of some of their dashboards. And so that's actually been super helpful now because now we, you know, as we start creating these, we become kind of these new sprints. It's very easy to people just to add stuff onto the backlog and assign tasks. You can even track like how busy the team is on a particular um, sprint. and stuff like that. So, so that's how we've been able to do it really just lean on this whole MVP concept and and don't, don't get, don't get too distracted about kind of the, the gradness of how much stuff there is to do.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. And I think the, the whole point, whole idea around the iteration, right. And that you can improve it over time. um, I think is something that we're, we're doing at higher logic right now as well. Like we're actually focusing on the renewals first um, as our first piece to go tackle. And that's just out of, uh, Kind of like sheer necessity right like we just have renewals coming up it's uh getting toward the end of the year so for us um like that was just where a bulk of the the revenue lied for us you know to go tackle kind of our first uh, look at what we're doing in the customer journey so similar to carlos's point i think it was either going to be us starting at the onboarding phase or us starting at the renewals and we just chose renewals because of, of where we are as business and what we needed to focus on as, as business priorities so um, i like the idea of chunking it out though and thinking about it almost by stage of your customer journey to figure out how you kind of go and tackle those value moments across that, um, which I think is really good. Um, Rosalind? does that help answer? Does that help give you some, a little bit of guidance?
0: Yeah, super helpful, thanks Carlos.
1: Awesome, Um, I think Marcus, you had a a question that you wanted to bring up to the group. You wanna go ahead and come off mute and, uh, and ask your question?
0: Sure. <clears throat> you know, this is more for when you're dealing with a little bit of a higher touch customers. But uh, one of the challenges I've seen when I've been looking at CS tools and, and you know, we had implemented Catalyst. So, you know, this is also what I saw in Catalyst is you know, most of the tools look at customer lifecycle of onboarding, adoption, you know, probably steady state or, you know, and then renewals. With, with high touch customers, you know, we wanted to map the success plan to essentially, you know, how a customer is doing and looking at every time you achieve success, hopefully you're finding a new value driver that you're shooting for and then building a new plan around that. And the challenge being that, you know, Monday.com or teamwork are, are really good for doing that, but they're not in your CS tool. You know, has anyone had experience instead uh, of moving from the normal customer lifecycle to saying, hey, "Look, you know, we're trying to track all these different successful playbooks that we're running for the different client based off of what they need, and being able to track, you know, how long did it take to get to the milestones? You know, how much time was spent? All these different factors, without having to use a you know, teamwork or a, a Monday.com to do that."
2: Carlos
1: has his hand raised and I'm I'm uh, almost like hundred and ten percent sure because I've spent so much time with Christy that she's gonna have an answer on this as well. But I'm Carlos, like, Ooh, what-
4: pick me, pick me. <laughs> Carlos <laughs> yeah. goes first. Right, Carlos go, for
1: it,
2: gonna- go for it, Christy. Go for it, Christy. No, no, go for it.
4: No, you raised your hand. You were polite. <laughs> you go first.
2: <laughs> no, so what I was gonna say is is that um uh we actually have a very, very high touch service offering. It's 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 in our in our case it's called Create Karua. So um, essentially our CEO said all of our portfolio is going to be available as a service and also um, kind of like as a, a MSP model where, you know, for a monthly fee, we manage and install and, and monitor all that stuff. So in that case, um, our journey map goes from onboard adopt expand to like the pre, pre-sale cycle. So what are all the different things that have to happen? Like the SOW review, all the other stuff, right? The transition to ops, transition to knock, transition to support. So uh, that journey map for us is actually about seven different phases as opposed to um, more to adopt, expand, renew. And so what Monday does for us is to basically assign tasks to the people who are creating those playbooks. But the playbooks are created inside of the Tango. So for us, for those of you familiar with the Tango, there's a success block for each part of the phase. Inside of the success block, we itemize what are all the different tasks that need to be accomplished either by the CSM or by the customer. And we basically identify you know, um, you know, what are the different, what's the percentage? We have this con- concept of ex- uh, 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 criteria to exit. So a customer will not leave this phase unless minimum these things have been completed. And so the task list that customers get get, get driven through is all sitting at the tango. but what Monday helps us do is this where we go in and do the creation of those task lists. So as we're creating and iterating on the new journey maps, that happens at the Tango. We have a sign owner, and the deliverable of that is, There's either a new template or a new task or a new workflow that needs to be inserted into the tool. Um, So that's kind of how we do it. I I will, I'll be quiet and hand it over to Christy.
4: So my two different there, Carlos. So the same thing, we designed a, a custom journey that doesn't kind of mirror those four stages. Our first stage is develop and that's all about kind of setting expectations and and aligning on goals. So it's all about just communicating initial kind of send off with our customers. So before we do anything, onboarding or otherwise, it's all about alignment. So if we don't have their goals documented, all their KPIs, benchmarks to success, we don't advance from the stage. So we've got develop, then execute, execute for us is customer and company onboarding. And I, and I bifurcate the two because it's very different. Like onboarding the company into the partnership is like getting their instance set up billing, right? There's all these things that have to happen in addition to user onboarding where they're, that's more tied towards like training enablement. We then go to adopt that stage is really the CSM's working with the customers on those success plans. And I'll talk about how that fits in. Then our fourth stage is prosper. And that is actually when we have that material win to socialize with our customers. And that is we've made some impact through those success plans that's worth socializing and celebrating. Our final stage is what we call advocacy. And advocacy for us is renewal, it's upsell, it's expansion, it is case study, it could be a reference, it could be a testimonial. So that final stage is getting that point where your customer is serving as an advocate. So it's different, right? Like our focus isn't just on the renewal. Sure, yes, that's what my team is kind of measured on at a high level, but I care less about that, right? To me, that's a lagging indicator that we've done all the other good stuff that's going to result in that. So where success plans fit in is that develop stage that I have, that first stage, where we spend, we do a kickoff, a partnership call that's like a kickoff call that's separate from onboarding. And that's kind of like our alignment meeting. When onboarding kicks off, my team runs in parallel a goal planning meeting. That meeting is an hour-long session that does a deep dive to make sure that we are very clear on their goals, how they're measuring them. We take the SMART acronym and we spell it out for customers. We help guide them to that. And then what we say is like, okay, great, we're going to come back to you with a success plan that's going to show you our mutual steps that are required in order to realize that end goal. And we do that through GainSight. So they allow us to do all of our success plans there. And we can track time to advance steps, how long things are open, right? Like we get all the details behind that. Um, But the cool thing about that is it's also, we can share it out. So it's a collaborative document. And that's what we use to just engage on. Every time we have a call with those customers, we're using those success plans. And then when we do make some win there, maybe it's not completed, but some, some movement in that KPI, that's when we kind of advance that stage of prosper where we start to socialize that and package it up. Where we're we're sending it out to their leadership team, and it could be we're having an EBR or QBR, or it could just be we're just sending over the data to say, hey guys, like look at this, look at the progress we're making. Um, so we determine kind of what that what that looks like in terms of a deliverable. But um, we found that methodology is to work really well. It's again, it's based off of our definition of what those stages look like. Similar to Carlos, we have exit and entrance criteria for every stage, so you can't advance to one. But they're also you don't have to go from one to the next to the next. You could be in advocacy and then also be an adopt right you could have different products you could have been an upsell and right so you kind of go to stages based on maybe different contracts so you know don't don't be so rigid around what those stages look like and how to get from one to the other kind of think of it as like a fluid framework in which you're engaging your customers to ultimately get to that stage of advocacy
1: awesome marcus does that help answer the question
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I, it's good to know that, uh, you know, Gainsight does provide that, especially with the mutual shared, uh, plans. You know, I think that's the the big challenge is a lot of these tools do put tasks, you know, they have tasks, you know, they have notes, but when you're really trying to drive towards achieving that success plan and seeing where you are, and especially as a manager, understanding how your team is executing against that success plan, um, you know, I think that's where a lot of the tools kind of fall short. And I think, you know, that's why I've looked at using, you know, like arrows or, or monday.com to bridge that gap. But, you know, it looks like Gainsight is, is one of the only tools that's built that in, uh, in a fairly usable
2: format.
4: Marcus, if you're ever interested in seeing like what that looks like in practical application, I'm happy to get on a call with you and like kind of walk you through how our instance is configured and how we're using success plans and how we're using that with our customers. We also use it to build oh, out account plans. So we have internal account plans, which is basically our stra- our internal strategy to keep and grow customers. So for all of our larger customers in enterprise and strategic accounts, they are required to have a success plan and an account plan. Success plans are mutually shared documents where we're kind of working with them towards their KPIs and account plans are an internal strategy that we're using to hit our internal KPIs.
1: Perfect. One other um, one other thing that I think is is interesting to think about is that uh, if you can help it, right, keeping the nomenclature the same for all these value moments throughout the customer journey um, can also be really helpful with the teams that you're trying to go convince to do these activities, do these things. The delivery mechanism might change. Um, and kudos to Jennifer Kirkland and our team for uh, she like put this thought in my head, and I've just been thinking about it for like two and a half weeks now. But the delivery mechanism right, might change, right? Like we might have a QBR and that is kind of a value driven moment maybe and a QBR could be delivered in person or maybe it's actually delivered through an automated report Uh, and it kind of spans the spectrum in terms of that delivery mechanism and how a customer might might be receiving that. And so I think that's just something to think about too is is what's the nomenclature you're using. Um, Like I know, you know, Christy's got language that she uses. Carlos has language he uses internally and externally, right? Like think about those things and how you don't necessarily have to be creating new verbiage for your teams to memorize and think about. Um, and then, you know, how can you apply that across the organization? I think it just becomes a big, big piece to how you can get these things adopted, how you can get technology adopted as well. Um, I think if you have any questions, drop them in the chat. I'm going to go back to one, one that I had earlier, um, and kind of ask the group again, um, and Carlos, maybe starting with you, like what, again, you've kind of started from a, a place where you had, you know, uh, the ability to go create your own canvas, so to speak, but. Um, what was some of the prep work that you guys did in anticipation of the tool? So, um, you know, if you when you first got strike deck, you know, what what was your process kind of before you even got on strike deck? Um, how did you get data prepared? How did you get, you know, other stakeholders in the organization involved in knowing that, hey, we're going to be standing up an entirely new tool, it's going to you know, require data, it's going to require uh, you know, people to be in there and, and things that were happening. So I'm just curious if there's anything that you did across the organization that really helped in that kind of preparation for, for getting the tool after you kind of made the, the purchase.
2: Yeah. You know, um, I know we talked about, uh, the whole journey map piece and the install base analysis. So I won't beat that to death. I think one of the most valuable things that we learned and one of the things that we did that, that, that yielded a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, positivity was, um, the charter alignment process. Right. So one of the things that we did is we talked to a number of different CS organizations. Um, and, you know, thanks to thanks to folks like Sheik and ESG for helping us um, chat with folks. But what we first did is we basically interviewed other folks. and so what are you guys doing? What's your CS org look like and things like that. And we ended up with this kind of overall view of like, look, um, depending on what the CS charter is, or, or depending on where the CS organization is from an, from an organizational chart perspective, it kind of drives the overall charter, right? So one of the things that we found was, you know, those CSMs that are normally more expand and, and, and uh, upsell are normally under sales quota carrying, right? But then you have more of the uh, experienced and retained CSMs. Those are under uh, services. And in our case, we're under the global services umbrella. So one of the things that we did is we actually went on a 30-day roadshow with all the senior leadership at Aruba and we said, look, here's our proposal for the tr- for the charter. Here's what it looks like. Here's what we're thinking. Here's why. We shared some of the findings from the other groups and we asked for feedback. So we're talking about VP of marketing, VP of engineering, VP of product, right? All of them. And everybody had an opportunity to insert, a, insert an Android or, or here or comma here or period here or add something, right? And after about 30 days of being able to, because that's how long it takes to get calendars with all these folks, once, once we got to the point where we had vetted this through everybody, we got them all in one meeting and I said, here it is. And the best part about it is everybody could see their contribution to the charter. And indirectly, they knew that they were also signing up to support this, right? Because they had a say in it. And so after that, we kicked off the monthly business reviews and all those folks that could participated in the charter were invited to that MBR. And so now they could see the progress of what we were building. So there wasn't any ambiguity of well, what's Carlos' team working on or what, what the hell is this customer success thing. So it really helped take them. So I'll admit, right, the first 15 minutes was always an education of let me explain to you what customer success is what it isn't, right? Here's our primary function. Here's our secondary function, right? And so as we went through that, just indirectly, you know, as as a, as a, as a kind of a side effect, all the leadership started becoming a lot more knowledgeable in CS. And then they also started reaching out and doing some due diligence and they'd send me follow up emails on some additional questions. I could tell they were asking other folks about stuff. And so that to me was probably one of the most valuable pieces because now as I engage with those teams for help on stuff like IT or product management, they knew exactly why I was coming to them. So I would say that to me was one of the most valuable pieces in all of this, truly really create that kind of allyship within the rest of the company. So that was huge.
1: Yeah. I love I love the idea of a, a roadshow. Um, so one other thing that we did right now and and um, what we're, we're going through is we did a fifty and fifty initiative around customers, and so that's also helping us to kind of paint the opportunities that we see. And it's not coming from our lens, right? It's coming from the customer lens. And uh, you know, we didn't we did not sit there and, and go through and uh, categorically pick you know the right statistical elements uh, from each category of our business segment. Like we just went and took a wide swath. So literally, it goes from uh, a mom and pop store all the way up to an enterprise customer that's paying us. And we've got 50 customers, you know, on that list. And that's just a, a first swath. But I think that's also going to help give us some of that same context, Carlos, where, um, you know, we've come in and, and luckily been uh, able to come into the business recently. So we've got our own kind of points from the outside. Uh, we're going to bring the customer lens to that. And then the third part is really, okay, what's the what's the plan? And part of the plan is how do we how do we enable our technology better? And then how do we enable our team better? Um, to go solve those challenges. So I like the alignment piece that you mentioned a lot because I think it's it's always definitely needed. And then you you can get the mutual buy-in, which is really what you want uh, more so than anything. Awesome. Well, um, I know we've got about five minutes left. Are there any, if you have any final questions, throw them in the chat. Um, I've been thinking a lot on this call though, about how we could almost have like a, a series for like CS technology on a regular basis to to do this kind of thing, probably get way more in depth. I know we we like hit on a but I think it was a little high level of, of all these topics um, that we go through. But um, if that is of interest, uh, either just type yes into the chat right now, or I'll go throw it up on the game, grow Team community and we'll, we'll maybe find a regular cadence to just do technology calls like this. Um, see how we continue to get everybody involved. Cool. That's I don't know the stats, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be. yes. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll try and find the right way to do this and maybe just start picking some specific topics that we can go really deep on because Again, I think what we've already figured out from this hour call is that you can go from everything from playbooks to executive discussions, right? There's so much to go involved. So um, what I'll do after this is in the Gain Grow, community, I will start a thread and we'll maybe get some topics going around uh, that could fit under kind of customer success technology. And then we'll just you know, think of a cadence and basically bake out maybe 10 sessions um, and kind of do the same thing. Um, you know, I think like you all have seen from our Gain Grow, office hours and from other pieces, um, we really want to try and promote just peer to peer discussion. How do we learn from each other? Um, I know we've obviously got Carlos and Christy and some others in the room who have, who've done this before. And so we can rely on them, but um, as much as we can get the group discussion going, we'd love to do that as well. Um, but thank you guys for showing up today. I'm going to throw this recording up there. So if you want to take a look at it, thanks to Carlos, Walter, Christy, uh, Rosalind, Effie, uh, who else talks today? I forget. Marcus, uh, so thank you guys. Sarah as well uh, chiming in. I know there's a bunch of people in the chat as well. So yeah. uh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain Grow Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.